The difference is between an influencer, an expert, and a thought leader. So here's a very quick kind of difference. An influencer says to their audience, be like me. Aspirational, mass audience, mass market products, you know, cosmetics, skincare, clothing, that kind of thing. Experts say, learn from me. So they're experts on their topic. They have great books that they write, but it's, it's missing that emotional connection. Thought leaders say, imagine with me. And that's where they have their expertise and their ideas, but they're bringing the audience along their journey and their story is a big part of that journey. Okay, by that definition, I want to be a thought leader. Imagine with me. Successful brands are rooted in purpose and driven by the potential to make a positive impact on their customers. Welcome to The Pursuit of Purpose with Amy Austin. Each week, Amy brings you practical advice to embrace the power of purpose in all aspects of your business and transform it into the central storyline for your branding and marketing strategies. Welcome to today's episode of The Pursuit of Purpose. My guest today is Carol Cox, and Carol is the founder and CEO of Speaking Your Brand a coaching and training company that helps women entrepreneurs and professionals around the world create their signature talks and develop their thought leadership platforms. She's also the host of a weekly podcast called Speaking Your Brand. Welcome to the show, Carol. I appreciate you being here. Well, thank you, Amy. I'm excited to be here and to chat. When you say speaking your brand, what does that mean? Yeah. So I really take a very broad view of the term speaking, obviously within the company and the work that we do with our clients, they are women entrepreneurs who want to use public speaking for visibility as a marketing channel because they enjoy public speaking before COVID, you know, going to in-person conferences and events. Now that we're getting, you know, back into in-person, that will be exciting, but also virtual presentations and trainings as well. But speaking your brand to me is not just about standing at a conference or doing a virtual presentation. It's also about what matters to you, you as the, the head of the company, and by extension, then the company itself, what matters to you, what matters, matters to your clients and your audience, and how are you conveying that message to them and all the different channels that you can do so. And obviously, Amy, I know you are such a big proponent of purpose and leading with purpose. And that's really, you know, we, most of the women who we work with are purpose driven. Like they have a greater mission that fuels the work that they do in addition to the business services that they offer. So Carol, how did you get into this? What, what is your purpose? Yeah. yeah. So this is, it has been, I felt, I feel like a winding road to get here. So I started speaking your brand in 2015, about six years ago. Prior to that, I had started and run technology companies. So software development companies, very different than what I'm doing now. Yet I went to grad school for history with a focus on women's history and gender studies. So this thread of working with women and women's stories and voices has always been important to me, kind of took this left turn into technology and then did that for about 12 years and then decided that I really wanted to go back. I wanted to work with people, not with computer code. And I really wanted to help women to be more visible and to find and use their voice. And so literally just in 2015, I was thinking like, what is the next business that I can start? I love being an entrepreneur. And the word speaking your brand popped into my mind when I was driving the car one day. And I said, oh, this is going to be the business. That's great. I love that it was just a name came to you and that you felt compelled to build a business around that instead of the other way around. So 
Carol, I know one of the things that you have done over the pandemic has been to give women a platform to be able to share their stories and work with them to be able to craft and and really develop that signature story for them. Can you tell me more about what does it mean for a woman to be able to share their stories and really step into that thought leadership type of of role that comes along with that? Yeah, that's a great question, Amy. So let me, I'll first define how I think of a thought leader. And I'll say this to your listeners that some people don't like the term thought leader. They think it's pretentious or they don't want to apply the label to themselves. You can use whatever term you want. You do not need to put the term thought leader on your LinkedIn profile. I use the term because as a marketer, I use what the market is familiar with. And so we're familiar with this term thought leader. How I define a thought leader is someone who has a unique viewpoint on whatever their topic area is. So their topic of expertise, their industry, so they have a unique viewpoint on it and that they're willing to talk about it. They're willing to kind of maybe ruffle some feathers. They're willing to have a strong stance and to be bold and put their their thoughts and opinions out there. But, and here's the key, they also integrate their personal journey into their thought leadership message. So here's how I differentiate between an expert and a thought leader. We are experts in what we do as entrepreneurs. We provide services to our clients and we are experts in that area. And we can be experts our entire careers. And that is great. Academics, you know, professionals, they are experts. Thought leaders take their personal story, their personal journey that they have been through where they come out the other side. And then they say to their audience and their clients, I let's, let's take this journey together. You now audience or client. That's, that's, you know, we can, we can take this in on our, on our journey and I can help you. I think of Brene Brown as the penultimate example of this. She's definitely an expert in what she, she does. I mean, she's a PhD. She does research all the time yet what made her take off was because she put her personal story, her personal journey into the work that she does and into the message that she conveys. And that makes it so much more relatable to us. And also then we can see ourselves in her and realize, oh, I can take this journey too. Yeah. I mean, there is so much to be said about being able to empathize with what someone else has been through. And I think as someone who's looking to hire someone to help support you, you want to know that they've walked in your shoes, that they have that experience and can relate and I mean, relate, empathize. It's the same thing, different word to describe the same outcome. But I think it's so important for us to be able to to bravely say, yes, this is the experiences that I've had. This is what I've learned from it. And this is how I want to make an impact. You know, whether it's I don't want anybody else to ever deal with this again. And so here's what I'm doing to change that or here's how it impacted me and I want you all to learn from it. So I think it's great that you're helping women be able to create something around that story in a way that that maybe they wouldn't be able to do on their own. You know, some some of us do it very naturally. Some of us, you know, are, are very open to sharing whatever it is that has gone on in our lives or what has shaped who we are today. And yet, and then there's other of us who we, you know, that is not our default nature for whatever reason. And there's, there's no judgment. There's no right or wrong on this yet. I have seen through the women that we've worked with and the events that we have run where the women have shared their very heartbreaking stories. You know, they're on the other side now of it, but very heartbreaking stories, big T trauma, little T trauma, right? All different, all different 
types of experiences that they've had. And what I have seen is that when they have shared their stories and their, the big idea that comes from their story, right? So it's not just a, it's not like a memoir. It's not just a story. It's also like, what is the social change we want on the basis of the story? But when they share that, when we've done our virtual events, the women who are attending in the chat, it is lit up. They say things like, oh my gosh, I've had the same experience. I don't feel alone. You're like, I feel heard. I feel understood. And that is really the power of women sharing their, their stories and their message and their voices is that it's kind of like this consciousness raising that we understand that we're not alone. Right. Oftentimes we, because we do feel that we are alone, we also don't recognize that we have a story to be able to tell and that we have, you know, that there is that bigger social outcome or that bigger goal that could be achieved by us telling our story. And so what advice would you give to a woman who knows that they have a story to be able to tell, but they really just haven't quite figured out how to piece it together and really turn it into into that signature talk or into that thing that is going to be the catalyst to help them make those bigger changes that they'd like to see happen. Yeah. So here's a couple of things that I can kind of uh, point to that may be helpful is to think about what was your own journey of discovery along this way. So, you know, we, we started someplace and then we're kind of going on our life and then something maybe happened to us that caused us to change our understanding about something and challenged our assumptions. It changed our mental model. It changed a paradigm of what we thought about how the world worked or how we thought about ourselves. And so it's that trigger point, that inflection point of that change. That's the goal. Like that's the key there. So finding that and then sharing kind of the before and after of what it looks like and taking the audience on that journey. That's what makes the best Ted talks. That's why Ted talks have become so popular. And that's the format that we use for our events. And that's one of the things that the women, when they go through our thought leader Academy, they learn how to create a lead generation signature talk for marketing and sales. But then we, they also learn how to do this Ted style talk, which is taking that personal story, finding that big idea and then putting it into a cohesive message for their audience. That's wonderful because one, I think we need to see women stepping into that role more frequently than what we are right now. And yes, we have people like Brene Brown and you know, there are, are other women, of course, right now they're not coming to my mind because I am a huge Brene Brown fan and I'm currently listening to her six part series on the gifts of imperfections on her, on her podcast. So, of course, she's top of mind for me, but but there's there's enough room for more women to be able to step into that space. And you know why why do you think we as women tend to either ignore or just kind of remain in the in the background or in the shadows or not not make that step? What why do you think that is? Okay. So I have a one word answer that I'll give you, but then I'll expand upon it, Amy. So the one word answer is the patriarchy. And because we live in a patriarchal white supremacist society that as, you know, uh, women and black people and people of color, our voices are not as valued. And we get those messages explicitly and inexplicitly, you know, and inadvertently the entire time that we're growing up. We may not, as an as adults right now, we may not feel like, oh, someone's telling us not to speak up. Like there may not be, not be anyone telling us that in our heads, but we have imbued those messages since we were young that we are not as valuable. 
And so it's, even though it's like in our DNA and it's subconscious and it affects us through perfectionism, people pleasing, uh, imposter syndrome, all of those really are symptoms of living in the society that we live in. So it really takes conscious, intentional effort to decide I'm not going to be a perfectionist about putting my content out there, about submitting the speaking proposal, about submitting a pitch to, uh, to a podcaster. And it's, you know, it's not easy at first, like having a community, having a support group of other women to cheer you on can be really helpful and just building that muscle, but realizing that it's not like, it's not you as an individual who is at fault. It's the system, but yeah, we as individuals have to do the work to keep putting ourselves out there. Right. As you were describing that, I thought of an example of myself, which interestingly enough was something that we talked about before we started recording, which was my long stretch of posting daily on on LinkedIn. And, you know, before I started doing that, I made writing a post for LinkedIn so much harder than it needed to be. You know, I felt like it needed to be perfect. I felt like it needed to be, you know, some profound message because if I put something out there that comes off sounding stupid or, you know, isn't, you know, whatever, adjectives I decided to put in front of it, it stopped me from doing it. And finally, I just was like, nope, this has to happen. I need to do this. And so I I did. I started putting content out every day. And I'm, I am amazed at how many people who have stopped me and said, you know, I see your stuff on LinkedIn and I really, I really like what you have to say or connections who I've met through other things that I'm connected to on LinkedIn that will drop a random message to me and say, you know, I love what you're saying. I wish that I would have thought of it myself to say it, to put it out there. And, and you're right. That is just something that somewhere along the line, indirectly or not, I have it in my head that I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm not should I really be putting this out there? And so I think hearing you say that that's, just do it. <laughs> just step into it and decide to do it and don't be afraid is an, a message that so many of us need to hear. Absolutely, Amy. And really you you are a role model for others and for other women who, has, who see you consistently putting content out there. I was so impressed by seeing your LinkedIn post uh, the, how consistent that you were and it inspired me. Now I'm not nearly as consistent on LinkedIn as that is posting daily, but it did inspire me to think about how can I step up my game on LinkedIn, not just to post for, you know, for the sake of posting, but really think about how can I express my ideas in a way more often and not put so much pressure on myself that every time I post on LinkedIn has to be like this super well thought out, you know, article that has like, you know, three key points and then beginning, middle and end, but more like, you know what, this is what you're so great at, Amy, you experience something, you observe something, and then you write about the observations that you had. Yeah. And that's what the majority of my posts are. I'll take a quote and say, here's what this means to me, or I'll for a while, I was talking about movies that I was watching and, and what are some some correlations back to branding or purpose or something that that's relevant to the work that I do. And yeah, it, it is just about that making a step and putting yourself out there. 
It doesn't need to be a scary thing. It doesn't need to be a a real profound step either. It's just laying the groundwork, getting it started, doing the doing the thing, making that first step so that you become more and more visible. Mm-hmm. And it does get easier the more you do it. And the starting is the hardest part. I think about like going for a run in the morning. Once I'm actually like on the street running, it's no problem. I'm going to like finish my loop that I normally run. But there are some mornings where I'm like, oh, do I really feel like putting my running shoes on and going outside? That's like the inertia. But once you get past that, it's good. So like for those of you listening, if whatever content you want to create, articles, LinkedIn posts, podcast content, video content, like Amy said, like, just do it. Just, just create some stuff, put it out there. You know, I started my podcast four and a half years ago. Those first, whatever batch of episodes, I mean, they were good, but they're, what I do now is definitely better than it was four years ago. And that's okay. Exactly. And, you know, one of the things that I have mentioned on here multiple times is I started my podcast because I like to talk. I don't like to write, which then, of course, also stems back to why I felt compelled to have to write every day on LinkedIn. It was like I, I needed to prove to myself that I could do it, apparently. But when I tried to fit into the mold of you need to have content, you know, and the best way to create content is a blog. I was lucky if I produced a blog once every six weeks because I'd write a draft I would sit on it for a little while. I'd come back to it. I'd rewrite it. Then I would send it to a friend who I used to work with who would edit it for me because I was I didn't think, you know, I was like, I don't want to put this out there if there's grammatical errors or if there's, you know, too much passive voice or, you know, any of that. And I was miserable at, I mean, <laughs> there was no consistency. There was no confidence that came from it. And I just didn't do it. Well, then when I when I decided that podcasting is probably the better fit for me, I figured out how to do it and I just started doing it and it was became very simple, very easy to be able to just keep that flow going and you know, I just passed 2 years. I have uh you know, by the time this airs, I'll have over 100 episodes released. I'm very happy with that. I still know that I couldn't write a blog once a week. Yes, absolutely. Right. I tell, uh, I tell our clients cause they pick their thought leadership project and the channels that they want to focus on. And I say, do whatever is the least friction for you. So for me, for years, like I, I didn't really want to do video, like I'm doing more video now, but it was so much easier for me to do podcasting. Cause like you, you know, I like to talk, I like to do speaking videos, like, Oh, I have to have lights and, you know, do all this stuff. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to start with video. I'm doing a YouTube channel. I'm going to start with a podcast. And so I tell our clients, some of them have no interest in doing a, in a podcast, too many moving parts. They don't want to do it. So I said, don't do a podcast, do a LinkedIn live show. You click broadcast and when you're done it's done there's no post-production and then you don't have to worry about it yeah I mean there is something out there for everyone to be able to put their voice into the space that it needs to be heard when we understand what our purpose is and what we are here to try and do and how we can fill our own bucket you know our own self with rewarding experiences that in turn help others it becomes so much easier and natural to do. Yes, 
Yes. And then we actually, we, we enjoy doing it. I know before we hit record, you mentioned that you were taking, you were doing kind of like releasing the best of your episodes in July to give yourself a break. And as a fellow podcaster, I was, had the same thought at the beginning of the summer. And then I said, well, I have the, all these ideas of podcast episodes that I want to put together and then guests that I want to interview. So I was going to do a, a break and do the best of, and then I was like, no, I have too many ideas. Why so did not give myself a break? And this is what happens when you find the medium that you really enjoy and you kind of get into the groove of it. You'll, you'll discover that you always have things that you want to share with your audience. Right. I mean, in all honesty, there are times when I'll come up with an idea and I'll record it and I'll release it within 24 hours of when I recorded it because I am that way. It's like, okay, I have all these ideas and there's ways that I can be able to present this differently and I'll just sit down, I'll write it up and then I'll record it and we're good. But there is value to that break as well. You know, I'm using my break to be able to record a bunch of interviews so that as I move into the fall and things get a little bit busier, I can have, I can still have a good chunk of material ready to go and, and still be able to produce really good content and share stories like your own. Um, if you were to give a, a woman who has, who has a story she'd like to be able to share and really would like to build her brand around that, one or two pieces of advice what would you share with her to help her overcome that hesitancy of, of putting herself out there? I'll, I'll share what, what has helped me. And this may help that particular woman or, you know, listeners out there. So as I mentioned, you know, I started the, my podcast four and a half years ago. And I remember that I was, I wanted to do a solo episode as the first episode to kind of introduce myself and introduce the podcast and what we would be talking about. And this was the end of 2016. And so I was like trying to write the script and like nothing was coming. I just felt really awkward just recording a solo episode about myself. Like, uh, I just didn't just, I don't know. It just wasn't coming out. So I kind of delayed, delayed, delayed. And then now we're into January. I really wanted to get the podcast launched. So I had done some interviews with clients. And so I'm like, so finally I got to the point by February. I said, I just need to release these interviews as the first set of episodes and not worry about that solo episode because it's just not happening. And it's just the lame. So I released the interviews and I didn't do a solo episode until episode 25. So literally half of a year. That's how long it took for me to kind of build up. Like, what is it that I want to talk about? you know, with my audience, that is just me, not an an interview with someone else. So just me doing consistent content, even if it was interviews, helped me to build those muscles. And then it was probably the, towards like uh, episode 100 that I started releasing some episodes where it was a little bit more vulnerable for me. Like I am, I am very much in my head. Like I'm a logical analytical person. I mean, you can ask me anything and I'll talk about it, but I don't kind of (laughs) like wake up every morning to like, I'm not a social media sharer. Like it's just Mm -hmm. not my personality. So then, and it was last August, about a year ago that I did a really vulnerable episode on the podcast. And it felt like the right time. Like it just like, just with everything happening with COVID and just having so much time to myself and to think and taking walks every morning. And I decided to do this episode when I like knew it was coming out that Tuesday morning, I was definitely nervous about it. Cause it was something that very few of my friends know about my past, much less strangers, you know, my, my podcast audience. And I did it and I got such an incredible response from sharing 
that story and being vulnerable, that's what convinced me that it's our vulnerability is the connection that we make with other people. And as much as it can feel scary and uncertain and, you know, fearful of rejection and fearful of judgment and fearful of what people are going to think, the connections that you make with others by doing that far exceeds any of those fears that may crop up. But it took me like three years of podcast content for me to get to the point where I felt like I wanted to do that. Now, other people may not take as long, but that was me. There's so much truth in what you were just saying about when we share our vulnerabilities, when we share who we truly are and what makes us who we are, it is a bridge to a relationship to form with the person that you're talking with or to the group of people that you're speaking with. If you're, you know, if you're standing on a stage and sharing that, or in your case, behind a mic that gets produced out as a podcast, when you hear those stories, it does give you that thread of, I've been in the same place, or I know someone who has been there. And it makes that person that maybe you've somehow put up on a pedestal seem that much more relatable and human to not only yourself, but to the others in your circle. Because, you know, I think I think one of the things, and you said this earlier, some people don't like the word thought leader, and I have kind of a love-hate relationship with it because I think some of the people who have, who, who've latched on to that term are ones that I don't really feel like deserve the term. And, and maybe that's not really the right way to say it, but but I don't think, you know, they're not relatable. They're not... They have not shown their vulnerability. They've not, they've not given me a really good reason as to why I should follow them other than they've been paid by a product to, to, because they use it or, you know, they're, they're more, um, what's the word that I want? I would call them influencers rather than thought leaders. Yes. But I think too often those two terms get interchanged. You know, like I'm thinking of like the Kardashians. Yes. I'm sorry, I have never been Me a either. fan. And I'm sorry, <laughs> listeners, if that's a deal breaker for you to never listen to me again, I'm sorry, but I'm not a fan. So I could care less that they that their show ended. Why I even know that their show ended, I don't know. But but to me, they are influencers. They're they're influencing things that are happening in society, good or bad, right? But too often people think of them as a thought leader. Oh gosh. Yes. And <laughs> I'm like, really? I don't want to follow them. No. I can't so, relate so I, to them. Exactly. So I mean, I I did a podcast episode uh on this in July. The differences between an influencer, an expert, and a thought leader. So here's a very quick kind of difference. An influencer says to their audience, be like me, aspirational, mass audience, mass market products, you know, cosmetics, skincare, clothing, that kind of thing. Experts say, learn from me. So they're experts on their topic. They have great books that they write, but it's, it's missing that emotional connection. Thought leaders say, imagine with me. And that's where they have their expertise and their ideas, but they're bringing the audience along their journey. And their story is a big part of that journey. Okay, by that definition, I want to be a thought leader. Imagine with me. Yeah, I like that definition much better, Carol. (laughs) 
that's why I did that episode because I know a lot of people kind of lump the thought leaders and influencers together. And I definitely see them as very distinct. At least I want to see them as distinct in the work that we do. Yes. Well, that's one of your shows that I haven't listened to yet. So I'm going to have to go find that on my playlist and, and get it listened to sooner than later. As women, and even, and as you said earlier, as white women, people of color, we have to be able to step in and take our make our voices heard in ways that have been that are different than what we have seen in the past and you know i appreciate what you're doing through the work that through your podcast and through the work that you do in your company to to help us find a way to be able to share that and and really grow into a place where we are more of an equal than a than a token yeah like like a token like where you know they have these i love there's a a site called gender avenger and they have a twitter account and they'll go through and look at conference speaker lineups and panel lineups and they'll call out conferences that have all male panels or all white panels or almost all male speaking lineups and they'll call them out for their lack of diversity and lack of equity and, Mm -hmm. and what they're doing. And so here's something, Amy, that, you know, we can do as, you know, role modeling for others. So for example, if I get a request to be on a panel, I will ask back to the panel organizer, tell me who else is on the panel. And this has happened before. And Mm -hmm. it has turned out to be all white women on the panel. And I would be in another white woman on the panel. So I very nicely and kindly write back and say, you know, I would love to participate, but you know, I really am a big proponent of diversity, not just diversity for diversity's sake, but because it enriches the conversation period. Like it just makes for a better conversation to have different perspectives. So I have some women, you know, who you may consider that I'd be happy to take my place. And then I have keep a list, you know, I'm in Orlando, Florida. So I have a list of women locally and if it's virtual, then I can obviously have a much broader list that I can pull from, but that is something that I would love to see more of us do, including men, if they're invited on to a panel or to speak at an event to find out, you know, what does the lineup look like? And are there, is there enough representation of other groups there? Right. No, that's an excellent point. We have to start modeling the behavior that we want to have seen, you know, that we want seen and to have happening and the best way to do that is is to be assertive yes and, and know there there are plenty of opportunities out there if you, you know you don't do that panel because you know you recommend someone else trust me you will get a lot more opportunities there's not a finite number there are so many out there for you and then by you doing that those event organizers will will recognize that and you will get much more in return i believe i i agree completely and I'm I'm happy to see more and more conferences being mindful of that. You know, there are some times when the expert is the expert and that's who you need to bring in, but then look for other ways around, you know, in other aspects of the conference to be able to bring diversity into, you know, to bring that voice to the table. Mm-hmm. Yes. Definitely. So Carol, why don't you um, take a moment and share with my listeners how they can find you whether that's through your podcast or social channels, website, that sort of thing. Yes. So since you're listening to a podcast, you can go and search for speaking your brand. And I have 230 plus episodes. Some, a lot of them are very tactical, strategic, educational, informative, have honor coaching calls, guest interviews on certain areas of topics, solo episodes that kind of explore different ideas. So that's a, that's an excellent place. And then 
If you go to speakingyourbrand.com slash pursuit, so like pursuit of purpose, speakingyourbrand.com slash pursuit, we have a thought leadership workbook that you can download that will give you some steps that you can do to start thinking about how to position yourself as a thought leader, question prompts, things for you to consider. And then I mostly hang out on LinkedIn. So I'm trying to do more on Instagram, but really my personality suits LinkedIn much more. So you can find me on LinkedIn under Carol Cox. Awesome. I will put links to all of those things in the show notes. I will be downloading that workbook as well. And thank you so much, Carol, for being here today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Amy. So the other day, I posted on LinkedIn about my service called the Marketing Director on Call. And I had a person reach out to me and say, hey, I don't know what this is. Can you tell me more about it? So I thought maybe I should tell you about it too. We're all familiar with a physician calling on another physician to help with a patient, right? That physician there calling is on call. My on-call service is the same thing. If you are responsible for marketing but have no one to brainstorm ideas with or have marketing responsibilities as, quote, other duties as assigned, or maybe you are a founder or a business owner who is looking to bootstrap as many business functions as possible until you've grown enough to hire a bigger team. Each of these roles may put you in a position to want to talk to an expert in marketing or branding. And you know what? That's me. And that's where the marketing director on call service is valuable. You drive the agenda. We brainstorm and strategize for an hour, working out an action plan, and you leave with clarity and confidence to make it happen. I'm on call for you. Your second opinion is a phone or now a Zoom call away. Check out the link in the show notes for more information about the marketing director on call service and also how to schedule a discovery call to, to find out if it's the right service for you. I look forward to hearing from you. This has been the Pursuit of Purpose podcast presented by Austin Marketing. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast player. Head over to amyaustinmarketing.com for links and resources mentioned in today's show, as well as ways to subscribe and connect with Amy. Thanks for listening.